Welcome everyone. So we're going to have a topic on intentions and intentionality with regards to the ceremonial work and ceremonial process. And uh, it is quite important for a number of reasons. And uh, specifically, once we are dealing with a ceremony of a traditional style brought into our Western world, and it seems for us it's important to understand how to prepare and uh, what to do, what not to do. So there are a couple of practical issues with that. And uh, definitely we can easily observe that uh, depending on the mindset, uh, we definitely have, might have a very different outcome of a ceremonial process. And yeah, I think it makes sense to dig a little bit deeper into what we are dealing with here. So what intention really is and why it is important and how to approach it. So first of all, we can definitely observe that ceremony and ceremonial experience is not a predefined experience. It's not consumable. It's not a pill. It's not a, a ready-made experience for us to experience. It's definitely something else. Why it doesn't matter? Because it's not a predefined experience, we definitely have some agency within the process. And uh, we are definitely a collaborator. And uh, why, when we are participating, we become a component within a larger, within a broader system. And it definitely makes sense for us to understand our agency. What is our way to influence things within the ceremony? And uh, there are agendas. If you consider a ceremony at conversation and dialogue, or a journey, an inquiry, is a collaborative experience, and uh, which means that every party has uh, their own agenda. There is always an agenda of medicine, there is always an agenda of the guide, and uh, we better have our own agenda. When coming into the process, which then either becomes confronting or collaborative or whatever it becomes. So what is the agenda of medicine? We might have different opinions about that, but uh, depending on the style and depending on the approach we're pursuing, if you come to someone who has an attitude of helping and healing and supporting, medicine collaborates with that and uh, becomes an evolutionary agent of our development. And uh, this development goes through various stages. In some stages, we need to clean up stuff. In some others, we need to connect to something else. In some others, we need to change the way we perceive things, whatever is needed in our evolutionary path. And we definitely have uh, the guide who's got as well their own agenda. And it might be collaborative with the medicine. It might be something else. And it'd be better check for ourselves what we see and whether we feel aligned or not. As for us, the question is, what can we come with into the ceremonial process? And speaking of that, consider that evolutionary process means evolution towards something. So we might have a particular spot in our life that we start with, and we might be conscious about it, but then there are always different pathways how we can evolve or where we can see ourselves as within some time once we consider this process of evolution. There might be different options. I mean, there is not one single destination point towards which we are pursuing this process. And as per Buddhist teaching, there there are multiple worlds we can symbolically end up being in, and we are in different worlds from the same perspective. So we might uh, end up in the world of the bliss. And uh, it's not, by the way, the most beneficial experience to land there because uh, everything that has its beginning has its end. 
or there might be worlds of hatred and suffering, or there might be worlds of our human experience. And each of these worlds, as per Buddha's teaching, as per Dharma teaching, uh, is connected to particular attachment to some forms and some patterns. And uh, by working our path towards or from a particular spot, we either develop or unleash our connection, our attachment to a particular type of forms and types of patterns. So in that meaning, once we are dealing with an evolutionary agent, which ayahuasca definitely is, and as well as sacred plants definitely are, their action is this day patterning, like supporting our process of uh, releasing the patterns or leaving new patterns. So in what sense does this deconstruction happen then? And uh, that's the reason why we practice intentional approach to therapy, because in order to design this deconstruction process, we need to understand what is our, you know, what is the direction our mind takes within this context, what patterns are to be deconstructed and what patterns uh, have to stay and or be further developed. And this definitely depends upon our mindset, upon what we believe we need in our life and what we believe we definitely do not need anymore. It's not like cleaning a room of someone who's got no agency, because then I would come to the room and clean whatever. But once we deal with the ceremonial process, then uh, there is uh, the room of the mind of the person is where the person defines what is trash and what is useful, what should stay there, what should not stay there. And by practicing a non-violent approach in the ceremony, it means that uh, there should be a particular mindset developed more by the person who actually goes into the process. Okay, so far so good. Okay, so from the perspective of practicing intentional approach to ceremony, there are a couple of things which are sort of obvious, some others are not. So the obvious ones are, well, it's a practical mindset. And setting up an intention means be very practical, meaning be very simple and uh, down to earth uh, with regards to where am I now? Like, what is my life situation regarding myself, regarding my resources, regarding my mental state, my energy state, whatever I would mean under this? What are my relationships to others, to myself? How do I feel? Like, what's the process I'm going through? What's the stage of my life? Yeah, so it's very practical. No fancy stuff, no abstract concepts. The other would be openness and the openness, intention of being. It's not an intention of being open, but it's rather being open when thinking about things. Saying, okay, I don't know much, but I'm eager to learn. Even if I think I know about something, then there might be something that I do not know. There might be further facets I would love to explore, open up. And uh, that means a lot because in some respect, by going through a traumatic experience within our lifetime, we definitely create mechanisms, our psyche creates mechanisms that guard the consistency and the safety of our existence by closing the traces or sort of hiding the traces of the trauma so that we do not truly really traumatize ourselves. If we could not deal with that, so we're going to have it like sort of sealed in a particular way. And uh, it sort of calcifies on many levels. It can be a somatic process, can be a mental process. And when we are coming to the moment, when we are ready to unwind that, it requires us to at least allow ourselves on the mind level to open up towards the healing process, towards the communication process, whatever it is. So the honesty is the second and the third component there. 
which means that uh, it's a resolution that I got to deal with my stuff. And uh, I won't really make a force to conceal it from myself, that I'm going to face it and uh, I won't turn away. That's important too, because uh, it's really easy to fool others, but we definitely are becoming very good at fooling others once we are good, uh, once we are becoming good at fooling ourselves. And uh, there are so many esoteric spiritual bypass scenarios, uh, specifically including sacred plants and medicines. So we better resolve this from the very beginning by being honest and uh, real with ourselves, which is not really a one-time event, but rather a resolution and commitment to practice it. Because uh, it's really not the case for many of us, including myself, that I decide to be completely open and honest with myself, and then I am immediately like that. It is a discipline, in a sense, to get back to square one. So... In a sense, intention is not a magical wish list. So for many of us, an idea of how to set up an intention for a ceremonial work kind of boils down to an idea that, okay, I've got things I want. And I want this, I want that, I want health, I want money, I want good relationships, I want to get rid of bad memories. And like it becomes sort of a shopping list of things. And uh, that is definitely a great path to disappointment because uh, once we set up so many expectations about what medicine has to give us and uh, we sort of buy it from the medicine, so it becomes a little bit like consumerist process uh, that does not necessarily work. So first of all, it doesn't work because there is no such way as transactional perspective within the relationships of healing and inquiry. So like uh, you cannot consider creating a shopping list of what you would encounter within a very open dialogue with your close friend. So you can start with something, of course, but it almost immediately going to become something else rather than this shopping list of wishes. However, one must be must be very careful what one wishes for. And uh, a list of what I wish to explore is definitely a healthy way to open up the patterns of one's mind. But money, but it's it's important to take it with a grain of salt. Specifically, the ideas that I need this, I need that, they usually come together with some constraints related to that. I need this and uh, because I want to keep the moment intact, keep the beauty I am seeing in others unchanged, keep a good thing and release a bad thing. But in reality, we cannot keep anything unchanged. I mean, that it is a process of constant change and growth and uh, exploration. So in many respects, a good idea here would be to think of what is the most important thing right now in my life that I'm coming into the ceremonial process with. So what is this within my state that makes me anxious about wanting things or not wanting things? What makes me angry? What makes me sad? So like taking this transactional pattern and uh, digging just one level deeper, uh, looking into the anxieties that sort of provoke this type of thing, becomes a great gateway into the intention. And definitely an intention is not a romantic getaway into abstract concepts of various sorts, whatever it might be. And um, it's very easy to come with an idea that, oh, well, I wish to feel absolute unconditional love. And uh, it might so happen that uh, one gets into the realm of uh, perception of unconditional absolute love. 
until one gets back home and uh, has to face the same neighbors and the same those months relatives that uh, are specifically positioned by universe to prevent oneself from feeling unconditional love. And then it becomes a problem because there was such a blissful process of experiencing unconditional love within the ceremony. Now it's a dull and uh, gray and uh, sad reality. And uh, that feels unfair, sort of. And we want to get back to this blissful state. So it sort of creates a new pattern of escape. The whole purpose of uh, ceremonial work in various traditions is to restore the connection to the real life. And uh, instead of setting up an expectation of, uh, I wish to feel unconditional love, it definitely makes more sense to set up an expectation, set up an intention to see what makes me unable to experience unconditional love. So then it becomes sort of introspective, introverted. And once it becomes introverted, introspective, then our mind has definitely a great task to work on, to go inside of myself, to explore my deficiencies and the limitations of my vision. And that's a great way to approach a ceremony because it's very real. It's something that connects me to the reality of everyday life. So... That's another thing here. And uh, once we are going into the process of setting up intention again, the purpose here would be to build trust towards the process by declaring inner commitment. Because again, uh, we come into a very specific environment of ceremonial setting. And that's not what we are born with in our cultural setting. So that's what we have to deal with processing it through the lens of our critical thinking. So our inner commitment to be open and therefore to trust is quite important here so that we don't hide behind ourselves. It definitely helps to open up our situation for deeper work. And sometimes, and more often than not, we are dealing, at the end, we are dealing with something we have suppressed and forgotten. And uh, the journey is not to get answers to what we already know, on what we have questions for, but rather to be able to explore beyond what we, have, what we know about ourselves already, to remember, recall the situation we are in, like recall the reality of what's, what's, what's happening or what has happened, opening up the memories. And more importantly, the sole idea of setting an attention is a practice in itself or building a habit of contemplation and remembrance. It is way more important than just for the ceremonial purposes at the end of life as a ceremony in general sense. So creating this habit of um, discovering uh, through contemplation our actual state and uh, setting up our mind for further exploration and uh, inquiry is quite important as a lifelong practice. At the end of the day, there are reasons why intention to work. What in, in, and uh, you, you can observe that, uh, again, taking the Buddhist perspective, but again, any ontology would work here. But taking a Buddhist perspective here, we can see that karma as it is defined within the teaching, which is not, by the way, equal to sin or whatever. Karma is just what has happened, like what actions have in consequences. The idea of actions having consequences is exactly the idea of karma. So karma ripens from the souls. It is a process of manifestation. It starts with mind and then goes into the speech or like our activity and uh, ripens into the somatic manifestation to the body or into the actions. 
But it starts with mind, and uh, it is important both for the actions we are pursuing within our usual life, but as well for the patterning. The patterning starts with our mind as well, from the same perspective. So for that, we need to be committed to open up. And this is exactly the intentional work I'm talking about here. So we sort of realign our mind to be open, curious, and seeking, however, not abstract, but rather dealing with our real context. A good intention is a practice, and uh, I often suggest to start early on, like a couple of weeks before you actually get into a ceremonial context by starting this process of contemplation, not taking it too rigidly and dogmatic, but rather exploring in different states before you sleep, after you wake up, uh, artistically drawing something, contemplating something in your everyday life, being observant, being alert, looking into your situation uh, here and there. So that is what makes intentional work most beneficial. Cool. So that's it for now. And uh, if you have any questions, let's discuss. I put a couple of questions in the chat. Ah, okay. So there are questions in the chat. Okay. Yeah. So the questions are what are, uh, what can be the agenda of Kurundera and how can we know it and how can it affect participants? Well, it can directly affect participants, first of all, because uh, you've got a person who's got some uh, position of power. I mean, no doubts about it. The person who's got uh, some knowledge, who's got resources, who is dealing with uh, something he or she knows about and definitely having some power uh, on which can be exercised in others and on that process. So. Uh, whatever becomes his or her intention uh, will affect everyone, most definitely, and can be long-term. So technically, dealing with uh, sacred plants is a process not unlike uh, initiation-based processes in uh, different religions like tantric process, in a sense, in the way that it affects a human because of connection with the energy patterns of the body. and like it, it goes deeper than our usual manifestation of our body. And from this perspective, it bears quite a responsibility. And uh, how can you know the agenda of uh, Kurandera? Well, I mean, uh, in the same manner as you would inquire about the agenda of another human being in a conversation or whatever connection you're developing with, uh, with someone. So learn about it, like learn from others, look into who's got some experience with this person and um, use your intuition and be lucky. That's important too. I think, yeah, in traditional, in traditional societies, uh, people would know their curanderos from early on. Cause like, say you live in a traditional tribe in a village and then you've got like the curandero who's there is someone who you know from your early childhood, perhaps. And uh, everyone knows him or her. And uh, if he or she does whatever nasty, then everyone would know that. And uh, this becomes common knowledge very, very soon. And uh, he or she can't even leave far away like uh, or be completely ex uh, in exile or rather stay with others. So it's, it sort of creates some ethical constraint on uh, how the power can be exercised. So in our contemporary society, we are dealing with the uh, people who are coming from someone else, from something, uh, from somewhere else. And uh, we do not know really the, whether we're going to see this person later on. Yeah, so there are, there are not many ethical constraints. And there are as well cultural differences. So what is good for one person can be perceived as completely unethical and immoral and unacceptable in a different culture of a different person. So this is important as well, because again, traditionally, people come from the same cultural environment and usually we have some consensus about that, even unspoken. So it is a tricky thing. 
At the end of the day, it is a tricky thing. It's uh, definitely much more complicated than in the traditional world. And yet we don't have, do not have uh, any other option but to check and uh, make inquiry and uh, learn about people and talk with people and uh, still face the uncertainty and uh, learn how to trust it. And uh, sometimes it's better not to go where you feel not to go. It definitely makes sense. Still, I think that uh, it creates as well a challenge for the volunteers themselves who are operating in the Western world to learn how to not to exercise power really they're developing. So agendas can be different. They can can be healing and helping, can be manipulating, can be agendas that are not related to participants, but rather to medicine itself. So learning, studying, exploring. And as well, there are there might be all sorts of attachments related to that. And again, one needs to learn how to distinguish that. No good ways to like there are no manuals on this one. Okay. Well, yes, uh, taking the agenda of medicine as evolutionary process, how can we offer, or is there something we can offer in return? I think in, on, the, on, the, on the surface, it's very obvious that uh, working with medicine definitely develops psychological thinking. And uh, ecological thinking in both outer ecology and inner ecology. And then taking the outer ecology, we would consider that, say, medicine grows in Amazon basin and uh, there is a message like uh, take care of the forest like take care of the planet the reason we the, the reason we've got this we've got this talk right now is because the process of medicine out sort of western uh, world to develop this diet uh, we don't have a good answer however the other component to that is inner ecology the inner ecology means that uh, we develop a commitment of growing life inside of ourselves growing the connection towards life within ourselves and uh, that's pretty much what we are offering in return so it's the process of creating dialogue that is happening and uh, that's what we're learning how uh, to be in dialogue, how to be in communication, how to listen to each other and to what we can listen to. Yeah, so that's what we're offering. Anything else? Okay. So if that's it, then we perhaps can close the talk unless you've got any thoughts uh, you would love to voice up. Is it possible in a way that uh, somebody's and uh, someone's uh, agenda, like uh, medicines or uh, coronavirus, can sort of like, uh, if not consume, but um, submit others and others' willpower? Well, yes, can be. I mean, well, it can, and uh, it's... It's a bit more convoluted than that. So, like taking the um, taking it more broadly and taking the ceremonial work in broadest sense, processes that are sort of quite transpersonal. So, like everybody is in service, sort of all the participants. The guide is in service. The participants are in service. There is a common prayer, or there is a common like festivity, or there is a common ritual, or a common mystical process. So, in many respects, it's like that. I mean. You can observe it in uh, secular ceremonies, like say there is a festivity of some sort and uh, whatever I think, uh, if I participate, then uh, I sort of bring in a little bit of myself into the calm process. So say people going to Burning Man, that's a huge ceremony in itself. And um, like whatever you do with uh, observing the fire of 
or burn of the burn uh, is still part of this process. So whatever you bring in is way more powerful than anyone's personal will. However, one can mess up with that, uh, but there is a broader agenda of the process. So that's important to see. In healing ceremonies, uh, the important component is that, well, we sort of agree that there is a consensus, sort of contract that we are healed for this healing purpose. So it's easy for the guide to mess up, to come with an idea of uh, guide or educate or preach or like whatever, so many options. And uh, this going to have an impact on others, for sure. So our psyche is quite an efficient, quite an efficient vehicle of survival. And in that sense, we can withstand a lot of pressure, even in older states of mind. But uh, having said that, uh, definitely we can encounter like repercussions of uh, attachment issues of uh, a particular guy. Easy. This happens all the time. But this is to say that one needs to check beforehand who uh, he or she is dealing with and uh, have a good understanding of the intensity what we're dealing with as well and that's quite important for guided processes too in general sense not specifically with sacred plants but in general sense and the big thing is to see the larger scale intention of the process within what's happening and usually it's sort of that's why it's so convoluted because even a very bad experience within a ceremony Sometimes there is an important step within a larger perspective. So sometimes it happens like that as well. Quite, quite far from our human comprehension. So I hope this answers. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Good. Thank you so much. So this was an intention and.